Uh, this is Norman Lloyd. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Yes, that was indeed the voice of the immortal actor Norman Lloyd. In that station ID, we'll hopefully donate that to KDVS so it can be used by everyone in the future. Mr. Lloyd uh, was the subject of an interview we conducted last spring at uh, Musso Franks in Hollywood. Norman Lloyd, of course, was uh, a longtime TV actor in the legendary Saint Elsewhere classic medical program. He was a contemporary of Orson Welles, personal friend of Charlie Chaplin, and uh, did a lot of directing and producing for Alfred Hitchcock. We've aired segments of this um, chat we had Mr. Lloyd on, I think, two previous programs, and we're pleased to note that we have got plenty more to uh, to air, and we'll do some of that today in our second segment. It's one of the great pleasures of having a radio program that you can seek out a person like Norman Lloyd, sit down with him and chat about some of the, uh, the, the towering figures of uh, 20th century cinema, and speak to someone who, who experienced it firsthand and knew these people as friends. And uh, for this correspondent, a very good deal. You're not going to want to miss Norman Lloyd in segment two. But uh, let's begin today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History. The date in question, the 17th of May. It was on May 17th in 1792 that the New York Stock Exchange was founded by 24 brokers who signed a two-sentence contract called the Buttonwood Agreement. This took place under a buttonwood tree on what today is Wall Street. It's unclear from the record how long it took them to start fleecing investors and encouraging speculative frenzies. We also have no knowledge of whatever happened to the Occupy the Buttonwood Tree movement. Red Letter Day for car lovers. It was on May 17th in 1876 that Nicholas Auguste Otto filed a British patent for the first four-stroke internal combustion engine. By the way, it was not the first internal combustion engine, but it was a vast improvement on Luxembourg-born French engineers Etienne Lenoir's engine of 1859. But you knew that. It was on May 17, 1877, that the first interstate telephone call from New Brunswick, New Jersey, to New York City was answered by none other than Alexander Graham Bell. Oddly enough, it was a wrong number. On this date in 1885, the fearless Apache Indian chief Geronimo the last Native American to surrender to the U.S., broke out of an Arizona reservation for the second time. For 30 years, he and his followers had resisted attempts by white Americans to take away their homeland. To which we say, good for Geronimo. On this date in 1954, in a major civil rights victory, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down a unanimous decision in Brown v. Board of Education of Topeka, ruling that racial segregation in public educational facilities is unconstitutional. The historic decision, which brought an end to federal tolerance of racial segregation, specifically dealt with Linda Brown, who had been denied admission to her local elementary school in Topeka because of the color of her skin. In an opinion written by Chief Justice Earl Warren, 
the former California governor, the nation's highest court ruled that separate but equal was an unconstitutional doctrine. That doctrine originated in a prior Supreme Court decision, Plessy versus Ferguson, widely considered to be one of the worst Supreme Court decisions in history, ranking right up there with Bush versus Gore. And no, we're not letting go of that one. And finally, on this date, back in 1970, Norwegian ethnologist and adventurer Thor Heyerdahl set out from Morocco in a papyrus sailing craft, which he named the Ra 2, attempting to prove that Mediterranean civilizations in ancient times could indeed have sailed to America. The raft completed the 4,000-mile transatlantic voyage to Barbados in 57 days, which I guess definitively demonstrated that Moroccans could have discovered Barbados. We do have to confess to being big Thor Heyerdahl fans. He was a bit of a crackpot, but damn it, he had some fun out there. And I don't know that I, that I know of a single red-blooded American boy who didn't wish he'd taken part in that balsa raft voyage to Polynesia back in 1947 on his legendary vessel, Kontiki. And yes, on your next trip to Oslo, Norway, check out Kontiki. It's got a nice little museum wrapped around it. All right, our quote of the day comes from blogger David Burge. I don't know David Burge. This may be the first quote we've ever had from a blogger, but David once said, the value of an industry is inversely proportional to the number of awards it gives itself. Our quip of the day, and we're really not sure about this one because it supposedly was credited to John Travolta coming to us via the masseuse that claimed that Travolta sexually assaulted him. Although we're not sure if this is the guy that dropped the lawsuit or the guy that's keeping the lawsuit, I, I don't know. But anyway, Travolta supposedly told his masseuse that Hollywood is controlled by homosexual Jewish men. Interesting premise. I'm, I'm not sure, Mr. Millen, that, that Norman Lloyd sounded off on that one, did he? Yeah, I didn't think so. Interesting theory, though. And we have two jokes of the day, a long one and a short one. The short one comes from David Letterman and is as follows. J.P. Morgan lost $2 billion in bad trades. They made bad investments. For example, those gay wedding chapels in North Carolina. What were they thinking? Our longer joke is as follows. An Italian, a Frenchman, and a Jewish man are all discussing their sex lives. The Frenchman said, you know, I take my wife and I rub freshly churned butter all over her body. And afterwards, she screams for 10 minutes. The Italian speaks up and says, Abuela, I rub my wife all over with fresh olive oil. Afterward, she screams for 20 minutes. Jewish man says, well, I rubbed my wife all over with chicken fat. After that, she screamed for three hours. To which the Italian and Frenchman said, how is it possible she screamed for three hours? To which the man said, well, afterward, I wiped my hands off on the bedspread. All right, our stats of the day, we have two today, both from the Pacific Rim nations, are as follows. In Japan, and actually it turns out also in China and other Asian nations, the rate of myopia, or short-sightedness, has soared from 20% to more than 80% over the past generation, according to a new study in The Lancet. Researchers say that the extraordinary rise in eye problems was caused by students spending many hours a day in class and at home studying and virtually no time in natural sunlight. 
comes from the bbc.com we're going to have to have to ask uh, one of our uh, eye doctor friends about that i think we'll put that to our pal gary aguilar in san francisco and maybe dr ivan schwab closer to home here in sacramento that's that's a pretty weird stat and secondly this one from china notes that in 2005 imports of solar cells and panels from china totaled just $22,000 in 2011 however that figure was 2.8 billion Chinese solar panel manufacturers, who are able to sell their wares at steep discounts thanks to massive subsidies from the Chinese government, now control about 70% of the world market for solar panel construction. That's from Slate.com. This might be a good time to mention, which I forgot to do earlier, that um, for more information about the famous Brown versus Board of Education decision, we'd refer you to our archives on two counts. We'd first off refer you to our interview with Michael Trachtman about his... Uh, his book, The Supreme's Greatest Hits, and also a show from May of 2007 with William Batetta, who was chief of the Interpretation and Visitors Services at the Brown versus Board of Education National Historic Site in Topeka. And that was show number 258. And uh, in an update that, well, I just thought I would never say this phrase when I started doing a radio show 11 years ago, but here it goes. In an addendum to our piece last week on George Goober Lindsay, we have the following uh, from the Associated Press. They noted that although he was best known as Goober, George Lindsay had other roles during a long TV career. Something we'd missed was that earlier in his career, he often was a heavy, and on one episode of Gunsmoke, he actually shot Matt Dillon. Which, you know, not a bad thing to have on your resume. By the way, speaking of legendary heroes, new scientists did a calculation, <laughs> and I don't know how they did this, of what were the odds that James Bond could have been shot at that many times in that many films and survived? And I, I forget, he'd been shot at something like 4,000 times. And doing the math based on the fact that there was a 95% chance that he would be okay, the odds were still like, you know, 10 to the 20th that he could possibly have gone unscathed with that many bullets whizzing at him. And no, we don't know who sat through all of those James Bond movies and counted all the gunshots, but I guess somebody did. All right, this might be a good time to jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for politically correct moron school administrators. In the wake of this item, a six-year-old Colorado boy was suspended from school for reciting the rap lyric, I'm sexy and I know it, to a female classmate. Sexy and I Know It by LMFAO recently topped the national charts, but school officials said first grader Davorite Meadows committed sexual harassment in quoting its chorus. Said the boy's mother, I'm floored. All right. According to the magazine, it was a, uh, a bad week last week for fake IDs after a University of Iowa student, Stephen Fiorella, age 19, was charged with trying to get into a bar using a stolen driver's license. The license, in fact, belonged to the bouncer working the door. And it was an ugly week last week for... Um, President Obama's chances of taking West Virginia in the next, next election 
after a prison inmate, Keith Russell Judd, won 40% of the vote in a Democratic primary there against Obama's 60%. Explained one of Judd's supporters, I voted against Obama. Well, I suppose that's possible, even giving the sterling credentials of Keith Russell Judd, comma, prison inmate. And it was both a bad and ugly week last week for natural remedies with the news that North South Korea's customs agency has confiscated thousands of smuggled Chinese pills made from aborted fetuses and stillborn babies. The pills marketed in the underground health supplement trade as infant capsules or fetus powder are said to increase energy and stamina. South Korean officials said forensic tests showed that the capsules were indeed made of human remains that had been ground up and dried and that they also contained contaminants. You know, I'm pretty sure this is one of those examples of cases where natural isn't necessarily better. All right, here's a bit of a sports oddity item. Apparently last week, Garrett McNamara, age 44, of Haleiwa, Hawaii, surfed what is being called the biggest wave, 78 feet, ever written. That was last November 1st at Praia do Norte Beach in Nazaré, Portugal. Apparently, a group of surfing and photography experts analyzed and measured the photos and videos to determine the size of the wave, which the Guinness Book of World Records is recognizing as the biggest ever. Said McNamara, I knew it was big, but I didn't know how big. And of course, as a Portuguese-American, it fills me with great pride to know that this largest wave was breaking off the coast of Portugal. All right, we always like to give congratulations where congratulations are due, and we would uh, like to doff our hats accordingly to the Miraloma High School team, which uh, took the Science Bowl team competition at what was described as the U.S. Department of Energy's National Science Bowl a couple weeks back. First of all, we're glad they have such competitions. After all, it shouldn't all be about football and uh, basketball now, should it? We think this sort of thing should be encouraged and say congratulations to Siddharth Trehan, Rohan Deshpande, Sharath Reddy, Jackie Fu, and Saket Agrawal. And yes, we did enjoy saying those names. I don't know if you noticed this item, but apparently um, there's been a find down in Mexico, or I guess it's Guatemala in this case, that shows that uh, this whole Mayan calendar 2012 doomsday scenario is a bunch of bunk. But you knew that. This uh, new calendar apparently spans about 7,000 years and leads much further into the future than the supposed doomsday date. And uh, my favorite headline of the whole week, which I think I'll just read without comment, is as follows. Sacramento B, May 16th. Katehi specifies errors in handling of protest. There's a quote accompanying it. I never wanted force used, but with 2020 hindsight, I know the actions we took that day were wrong. Well intended, but wrong. Mr. Millen, I think you can file that one under the duh file. Actually, come to think of it, I've got a I've got a headline I like even more than that, which is as follows. Brown fires doctor in political ad. Piece by Kevin Yaramura in the B notes that under pressure from health advocates, Governor Jerry Brown last Thursday removed a controversial physician from a state health board after she appeared in an industry-funded ad against a tobacco tax hike on the June ballot. LaDonna Porter, a physician at the San Joaquin General Hospital in French Camp, wow, 
I didn't realize she was local like that. Anyway, she had served since 2008 on a state advisory panel of medical experts and scientists that identifies chemicals known to cause developmental or reproductive harm. She was an appointee of then-Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. And on the day this, this uh, item appeared, I, I got a nice big flyer on my front porch that noted that uh, you should vote no on Prop 29 because it lacks strict accountability. You know, if there's one thing I hate, it's a proposition that lacks strict accountability. I'm sure you feel the same way. They quote LaDonna Porter, MD and shill, as saying, as a physician, I'm against smoking. So I thought a tobacco tax sounded like a good idea. But the fine print in Prop 29 raises serious questions. Not one cent of the $735 million it raises will go toward new funding for cancer treatment. And Prop 29 lacks strict controls to make sure our tax dollars are spent wisely. Well, I got news for you, Dr. Porter. There ain't a hell of a lot of controls out there, strict or otherwise, to make sure that our tax dollars are being spent wisely. In the wake of this initiative's uh, proponents were very upset at, at uh, Dr. Porter's ads, which implied that the medical community opposed Prop 29. And uh, I don't know, I haven't studied this, but I'm pretty sure they don't. You know, we've sort of soured on President Obama over the past few years, being that he has turned out to be something of a do-nothing nincompoop. And by the way, when I call the president an nincompoop, that opinion, like all those heard in this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And although I do want to thank the First Lady, Michelle Obama, for sending me that nice picture of the First Family, I'm not sure I can vote for this guy. Of course, I'm pretty darn sure I'm not voting for Mitt Romney, too. Anyway, we do want to take, uh, we do want to give our president, our cautious, fearful, do-nothing president, uh, a pat on the back for at least taking a stand on the whole gay marriage thing. But political junkie though I am, I'm wondering if it wouldn't have been smarter politically for him to wait till November to do this. To get reelected, the president's going to need to carry Florida, North Carolina, Virginia, Ohio, and it would certainly be good if he could carry Indiana or Nevada, but it looks like he's going to carry neither of them. He's probably going to lose North Carolina now, too. So, um, wow. This item's kind of a mixed bag. Of course, uh, you know, the fact that Mitt Romney's now come out against civil unions, <laughs> something that almost all Republicans are in favor of, shows that maybe Obama's, uh, maybe Obama's making a smart move here. I, I don't know. But uh, the crazies do seem to be taking over the Republican Party. You may have noticed that uh, last week Richard Luger, Longtime centrist Republican senator from Indiana went down swinging in his Republican primary. Trying for a seventh term, Luger lost soundly to former state treasurer and Tea Party favorite Richard Mordock. Mordock campaigned as a more conservative alternative to Luger, one of the party's most respected voices on foreign affairs. Meanwhile, over in Utah, the nation's most Republican state, Orrin Hatch barely squeaked by a uh, primary challenge uh, last month. He had to get, I think, 60% of the vote uh, in order to avoid a primary challenge next month, but he fell 32 votes short in uh, their uh, complicated goofball uh, <laughs> electoral procedures. This, this is causing people to sit up and take notice and ask, well, <laughs> if Orrin Hatch isn't conservative enough, holy mackerel. It's a serious business. When the other 
uh, Republican from Utah, Bob Bennett, a uh, longtime uh, politician, longtime uh, a senator, got uh, dumped two years ago because he was not felt to be uh, conservative enough. Scary times. All right, big reminder as we go out at the end of segment one that you have an annular eclipse of the sun coming in Northern California on Sunday. This is a once-in-a-lifetime event, but owing to some bad cosmic geometry, the moon will not completely cover up the surface of the sun. Nevertheless, it'll be a pretty interesting thing to spot about 6.30 p.m. We would suggest you should travel up to Chico or north. Uh, Reno is also another good site to see this. You can check the map of Fred Espinac at the NASA website for more information on the exact path of the eclipse. Be sure to bring eye protection. 14-shade welder's glass or those Mylar uh, uh, devices that are, that are designed for looking at eclipses. You can also build a uh, projection box using a pinhole. You can go on the web and find various designs for that. Go view this thing. It's going to be interesting. And if you go out and spend some time and energy for this equipment, you'll get a twofer because uh, two weeks later on June 4th, we will see one of those extremely rare transits of the planet Venus in front of our sun. You need to catch this one for sure, because the next one doesn't happen until the year 2117. I think Mr. Miller and I are going to do some traveling to check this one out, and we'll give you a report back. But actually, no, you, to heck with that. You, go see this one yourself. Uh, you don't have to go anywhere. If you, you've heard us on the radio, you are in the viewing area. You'll get, you'll get quite an interesting sight, but uh, traveling a little bit north of the Sacramento region will pay dividends. But let's take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. When we come back, we will continue with our interview conducted at Musso Franks in Hollywood last year with the legendary actor Norman Lloyd. 